Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. So the difference between a prolonged fast and intermittent fast is not only that the amount of calories that you're going to be sort of not taking in, it goes far beyond simply uh, just not eating. The, the, the stress of the fasting causes the cells to respond. And, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, so important to sort of healthy aging process, so important to metabolic stability that it was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2016. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am joined with Dr. William Sue. After 20 years of a distinguished career as an endocrinologist at Harvard's Jocelyn Diabetes Center, Dr. Sue joined El Nutra in 2019 as the Chief Medical Officer. In this role, Dr. Sue leads the clinical development effort at El Nutra, oversees the Medical Affairs Department, and advances the education and adoption of fasting and fasting-mimicking diet as an innovative tool to extend human health span. El Nutra's fasting-mimicking diet is called Prolon. Among his prior roles, he served as vice president at Jocelyn Diabetes Center, a teaching affiliate of Harvard Medical School, responsible for its international education and healthcare advisory programs. He served on multiple national level professional committees, including the American Diabetes Association, setting national standards of medical care and diabetes. His previous research interests focus on the pathophysiology of diabetes and the application of digital technology in chronic care. He went to Cornell University for college and received his medical degree from Mount Sinai School of Medicine. He completed his internal medicine at Yale University and completing his fellowship training in endocrinology and metabolism at Harvard. He's also the assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. It's great to be on this show. I am so looking forward to chatting. Uh, this is such great information, and, and I really am so glad we can share this with everyone. 
El Nutra is basically the company that is responsible for the famous product called Prolon, which I have actually used on my own. And I have advertisements running on Facebook <laughs> uh, regularly for, for Prolon. And it's very popular among my peers. And so happy to chat t- with you about this. And, and I really want to go into more detail as to the benefits and the science of the fasting mimicking diet. Yeah, you know, I, I was uh, practicing medicine and uh, taking care of patients and doing research. Uh, and uh, uh, I came to know the literature around uh, the science of fasting. And it really fascinated me. Um, you know, fasting is one of the most ancient practices across all cultures and all people group, if you think about it. <laughs> In fact, it's part of every, every religion around the world. And, and the science of fasting, really, we, we, we did not even uh, invent fasting. I mean, the fasting has been uh, practiced in nature for millions of years, if you think across different species, right? A lion, a tiger, what does it do between hunting? It's fasting. Right. And so uh, a time really has built in those mechanisms in the body to have fasting as, as an adaptive mechanism. You know, uh, we often see fasting as an interruption of our feeding. We say, hey, you know, I got to fast. I cannot eat. <laughs> it should be really the other way around. Right. Fasting is really the norm interrupted by bouts of feeding. But look at our society today. We're dealing with so many different uh, challenges, health challenges. Most of them are uh, chronic illnesses in nature, right? So, and, uh, and I think fasting could be a new way for us to incorporate into our uh, health and well-being. Absolutely. And there's different avenues to fast. You can do you know, a regular water fast. You can do the intermittent fasting. You can do a fasting mimicking diet. Can you explain to us the differences between these three? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as a clinician, that the, the key operating principle has always been do no harm, right? So for every intervention that we introduce into healthcare or, or into, into well-being, it has to be safe. And so, you know, while fasting has been practiced in, 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 over, I mean, in thousands and thousands of years, the question for us is, is it safe for everyone? How long is safe, right? Especially people with uh, a chronic condition, is it safe to fast? And that's why uh, El Nutra, uh, after 20 years of research with fundings from the National Institutes of Health, uh, the, the company has invented this product called the fasting making diet. And the intention is to bring the safety uh, of, of food, but give you the benefits of fasting. And that's why it takes so long to scientifically design the ingredients and the composition of the diet to give you that benefits and the safety profile. And so the fasting mimicking diet or the brand name called Prolon, it's a five-day structured meal plan. It's a, it's a dietary program. In five days, you just consume the food that's provided to you without eating any other external food. So it's, it's scientifically uh, uh, designed to give you many of the benefits of a, of, of a water-only fast, except that you're now eating. So your body sees the food, but the cells in your body actually experiences fasting. Now, five days is a, is a relatively long time. Think about it. If you have to go through water-only fast five days, I think very, only a very small percent of the population in the world could uh, potentially do it. And it's also 
uh, potentially dangerous for, for most people to do that word only fast. And so you have word only fast as a category. I just introduced prolong the fasting mimicking diet. That's the concept with fasting with food. And then you have the intermittent fasting. I think most people, when we talk about fasting, we're really talking about intermittent fasting. And one of the most common ways to intermittent fast is by restricting the number of hours that you eat food to a specific number, like 12 hours, like 14 hours or 16 hours. And in other words, you will consume all your food in a day within a, a short period of time, like an eight hour uh, window. And we call that 16-8. If you uh, fast for 12 hours and eat 12 hours, that's a 12-12 fast. I think that's what we're talking about. Exactly. So what are the benefits in terms of choosing, say, the intermittent fasting route, whether it's the 16-8, 12-12, or an extended 24-hour fast versus the fasting mimicking diet? Could you elucidate the differences and uh, benefits of, of each and why would you choose one over the other? Yeah, Dr. Nicola, this is such a common question. Uh, it's very, very timely. Um, it, there are more and more studies now being done to look at the effect of intermittent fasting, uh, especially the 16 and A um, type of fasting. Just uh, uh, remember that it, it is still a relatively short period of, the, of fasting time before you break the fast after 16 hours. And studies now are generally smaller in size. It's not the hundreds of people studies that we're used to seeing. The duration of the studies tend to be a little bit shorter, but what these pilot studies are telling us is that many of the weight loss benefits of intermittent fasting is equal to uh, the amount of weight loss you would see if somebody were to be on a continuous calorie restriction diet for a number of months. Okay. So the, the early studies seem to suggest that if you fast through intermittent fasting, you're going to lose as many pounds of body weight uh, as if you were to be on a, a low calorie diet for a period of time. So that's, that's encouraging, right? Because the way we're changing the way we're thinking about uh, weight loss is no longer how many calories you're eating or what you are eating, although that's often important. In the conversation around intermittent fasting is when do you eat them, right? Without too much restriction on the food you eat, if you're able to restrict the amount of time you're consuming food, allow the body to do its, its work during the fasting period, at least some of the early studies are suggesting that we're getting a similar benefit as an everyday low-calorie diet. So uh, that should be very good news for us. Absolutely. And Besides the, the weight loss benefits, what other physiological benefits yeah. can we talk about that relates to intermittent fasting, fasting, and the fasting mimicking diet? Yeah, I think the studies are still the, uh, sort of ongoing. I mean, early studies are, are showing that there could be some metabolic benefits to intermittent fasting. Um, what, what sets this, uh, the fasting mimicking diet, the five-day fasting mimicking diet the, the from uh, intermittent diet uh, or intermittent fasting is the fact that it's five days. Five days is a long time. Now just remember that the body typically responds to only to stress, right? For example, you think about you, when you're exercising, what are you doing? You're actually stressing your musculoskeletal system, right? The fibers of the muscle gets torn apart a little bit and then it gets rebuilt and torn apart and rebuilt. And that's how the body gets strong. Same thing with the idea of fasting. You know, if you fast only for 16 hours and, and hope to get a lot of benefits, it's probably going to take a long time before you see them, right? 
Um, but a five-day fast, you can imagine, you know, the first day the body is using up a lot of the glycogen or the sugar store in your liver. And by the second day or so on and so forth, you're now turning to burning fat. So that's a good thing. And oftentimes by second and third day, you trigger a process called autophagy, which is a cellular cleanup. It's a process that was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2016 that describes the recycling of some of the old and worn out cell organelles or cellular components for something new, right? So it's that cellular rejuvenation process that, that takes place. Unfortunately, that process doesn't even begin to, to take place you know, until probably 24 hours and later. And it doesn't hit its peak until likely the second day or third day. And so, wow. so the difference between a prolonged fast and intermittent fast is not only that the amount of calories you're going to be sort of not taking in, but additionally on the physiology, on the cellular sort of uh, level, it goes far beyond simply uh, just not eating. The, the, the stress of the fasting causes the cells to respond. And, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, so important to sort of healthy aging process, so important to metabolic stability that it was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2016. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. So that's interesting. I was always under the impression that you could achieve cellular autophagy through doing a 16-hour, 16-8, or even a 24. And so it's interesting to hear you describe that the benefits of autophagy don't really kick in until after 24 hours and into 36, maybe even to 48 hours. So that's very interesting. So then really, when we're talking about doing this intermittent fasting, whether it's 12-12 or 16-8, is really more beneficial for weight loss because autophagy isn't realized during this time frame, Are there any other benefits that can be seen during the 16, 8, 12, 12 intermittent fast? Because obviously we, we're not able to achieve autophagy during, during this type of intermittent fasting. Well, I, I, I think uh, certainly on the metabolic aspect, you know, if the longer you fast, the less food, the less food your body is going to see these nutrients coming in. And think about, you know, today we have so many health conditions that are associated just with an overnutrition, right? State of overnutrition. So, um, you know, while we still need larger studies to confirm this, but as I mentioned earlier, um, just in terms of glucose level, in terms of, of bodies, uh, sensitivity towards the function of insulin, 
um, in early studies, in smaller studies, uh, do show an improvement, uh, which really uh, we, we're going to need a larger studies to confirm those. But in contrast, when you have a longer period of fast, there are stronger literatures um, that uh, that shows that prolonged fasting, uh, if can be done safely or can be done with a fasting mimicking diet, uh, potentially has more benefits not only uh, on the weight loss, but uh, I, I would share with you, for example, in the study that we published a couple of years ago, people who go through this five days of fasting mimicking diet, um, they, they, they experience a, a, an improvement in energy. Um, the, they experience a mental clarity after uh, five days of fast. And what's also quite amazing is we see that there is a change in the relationship of the consumer to the food that they consume after five days. Because after five days of fasting, uh, you're able to overcome some of those addiction, right? Some of those uh, hold that the food has on you. And one of the most common uh, results uh, after five days, uh, or one of the most common questions people often ask is, doctor, what do I eat? after the five days of fast, because now they're determined to, to change their lifestyle. They're determined to eat better after five days of fasting. And so, so we're seeing cellular changes, as I mentioned, the autophagy with five days. We're seeing uh, uh, mental health changes because, you know, you feel more energetic and more have uh, increased enhanced mental clarity. And then you see behavior changes as well, in addition to the weight loss that we talked about. Now, maybe one interesting fact that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, when you lose weight by, low cal by a low-calorie cal diet, you're losing both your fat component uh, as well as your lean body mass, right? Because it's, it's indiscriminate. When you're not eating enough, the body is going to take muscles and break it down as a fuel. So you, inevitably, you're losing weight in many different compartments, uh, compartments of the body. In an intensive uh, a short fast in you know, a couple of days, you're actually sparing these lean body mass. Instead, you're burning the fat from the belly. We call these visceral fats, right? These are the fat that is not, that is bad for you, for your heart health, for your metabolism. So that's also a very interesting aspect of fasting, which is very different than simply eating a lower calorie diet. Yeah, you would think that if you're restricting your calories or actually taking part in a fasting mimicking diet, that you, your consumption of sugar would come from either protein breakdown or fat breakdown, uh, muscle breakdown. So, but in this particular case, is designed to be muscle preserving. So you're not really; it's not really catabolic in that in that manner. Yeah. Correct. And we see this across animal kingdoms, right? So if if you uh, see a, a, an animal like a a a, um, a mountain lion, right, in between the feeding. Right when it's when it's going through fasting, if the muscle mass or lean body mass is decreased during that couple of days of, of fasting, the animal is going to be totally weak, and the and the species probably would have gone extinct right. a long, extinct a long time ago. Right, so this is part of that survival mechanism that that nature has given us. Excellent, and I'm assuming there's the fasting mimicking diet is structured where the foods that you are eating keeps you in ketosis because that's essentially what fasting is all about, right? You enter a state of ketosis, which has the primary benefits of reduction in inflammation and, and so forth. So 
I mean, we can't be eating like sugars and things of that nature because that'll take us out of ketosis. So what comprises uh, the fasting mimicking a diet that allows us to uh, stay yeah. in a ketotic state? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question because uh, the, the fasting actually goes beyond ketogenic uh, or ketosis. Think about it. I mean, you could eat lots of food and still keep the body in a ketotic state, right? So you could eat, just avoid carbohydrates. You could eat plenty of proteins and, and, and fats. But very interestingly, you know, when you consume protein, you're actually telling the cells there is food. So while there's many benefits to ketogenic diet, but think about the cells are still getting the signal, hey, there's food, we gotta grow. Instead of going to rejuvenation, healthy aging, and the pathway, what we call stress-resistant pathways, it's pathways that gets turned on when you're fasting. So the cells go through those rejuvenation processes because there's no energy out there, right? So we gotta we gotta make best out of whatever we have left. And that recycling, that triggers autophagy only occurs during fasting. Not necessarily when there is a lot of food coming in with proteins and nutrients. Devoid of carbohydrate, yes, causes ketosis, yes, but the cells are still getting the signal, hey, it's time to grow rather than it's time to rejuvenate. So I want to make that difference between that ketogenic uh, process, right, the generation of ketones, uh, that often contains nutrients that still tells the cell to grow instead of to rejuvenate versus a prolonged fast with prolong um, that tells essentially the cells hey, we're fasting, and therefore, we've got to trigger the autophagy. We've got to trigger the cellular cleanup. And so uh, it's two different levels of, of interventions, if you will. Right. And in this particular case, uh, thank you for explaining that. So what are we talking about that is a composition of the Prolon diet? Yeah. So um, it, it, it took uh, many years of scientific uh, uh, design and testing. Essentially, it is lower in protein components because, as I mentioned earlier, amino acids and proteins can trigger these nutrient sensors. So like the cells, they have ears and eyes on the surface of the cells that tell the cells, hey, is there nutrients or not? So the components of sugar, the component of amino acids and protein are major stimulators of these sensors in the body, nutrient sensors in the body. And so Prolon is designed with low components of proteins and amino acids and, and also the, 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 the way that the carbohydrate is, is manufactured, uh, it provides a very slow release of glucose uh, that would be sensed by, uh, by the cells. And the rest of the calories to, to nourish the body is provided through a plant-based uh, source of fats. So it's the entire package, the entire meal plan is plant-sourced and with uh, lower protein composition, complex carbohydrates, and plant-based fats. Got it. And I mean, typically when we're talking about entering in a ketotic state, you know, or a ketogenic diet, you're typically told that you have to eat a um, specific percentage of macro content. So it'd be 70 to 80% of fats, you know, uh, 20% would be dedicated to your protein and the rest would be your carbohydrates. Is this a similar composition to what you've designed in the Prolon? Yeah, it is not. Uh, I think we, we have uh, even lower protein uh, uh, composition in there. Um, but 
I think there is certainly more information uh, than what's on the surface. It's sure. not simply the macro composition, but also the specific composition of the food, uh, the ordering of the food, um, the fiber contents in there, and clinically tested to, to give us that fasting mimicking. Yes. And yeah, and so it. um, it's difficult to do this on your own because you might think, oh, well, that's the right composition, but you never know whether this is actually fasting mimicking or not. What you ended up maybe just a low calorie diet, which is good for you, yes, but you're not going to get that cellular rejuvenation benefits. Right, and that's what exactly what we're trying to achieve. And I, and so with this taken into consideration, I'm assuming because in, in general studies that have shown preliminary studies anyway that correspond being in a extended ketotic state with longevity. And I, I presume that with the fasting mimicking diet, we're also seeing the same benefits. Yeah, I mean, the, all the, uh, the early preclinical studies, right, studies done in animals have all shown uh, very positive benefits. For example, if you take a litter of rodents and, 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 you, and you fast them, you think that they probably die of malnutrition, right? <laughs> but in fact, they will live 30 to 60% longer depending wow. on the, the, the mouse strain. And so that's why, you know, it, it really challenged the scientists to try to figure out how does a, a fasting relate to longevity? Uh, and, and that continues to be uh, a, a, a topic of tremendous research at Alnutra. Now, you know, we still have quite a bit of work to do, right, to convince the regulatory body and to, to convince the greater world that uh, any research can lead to a prolongation of, of life. I mean, that is a huge claim, right? <laughs> and, and I think uh, whoever can demonstrate that, that definitively in the end will certainly win Nobel Prize. Think about that, right? The, the, the benefits it brings to humanity. But at the moment, we definitely are, that's our aspiration. Uh, we have over 16 uh, clinical trials uh, done, uh, being conducted at the moment, looking at the benefits of fasting making diet of its various forms in different uh, conditions and health conditions and, and even assess uh, its impact on biological age. And, and But these are... Uh, uh, sort of our commitment uh, at, uh, at our research and development uh, team, by, by our research development team at Nutra, to continue to push the envelope to drive the science behind this technology. Right. And uh, just for further clarification, are there restrictions in activities when on a fasting mimicking diet? Because I mean, a lot of people who might be interested you know, maybe, um, you know, high performers when it comes to physical activities, runners, uh, people who like to, you know, uh, pump some iron. Is it advisable for them to discontinue these types of activities when doing yeah, that, a, a fasting mimicking diet? That's a very pragmatic uh, question. Uh, because during fast, right, that's, you already have the stress of fasting. So every cells in the body responds to the stress. Think about it, right? I mean, it's like a universal stress <laughs> when, when you fast. And, and so every cell needs to respond to that in, in a way uh, where additional stress from exercise, just remember exercise itself is also a stress, right? We often see stress as bad, but physiologically stress could be very good. But we think that during fasting, 
Um, one, you're not eating very much. Uh, number two, you're likely to be in a nitrogen, negative nitrogen balance. While you're tearing apart those muscles, you're, you're not giving the nutrients to replenish it. Um, this is probably not the best time to exercise during the fasting period. Okay. Well, when is a good time to exercise? During the refeeding period, right? After your five days of fast, if you know, with, with prolon, um, when you are replenishing your body with nutrients after the five days, those are the times where your body is really primed uh, for growth because it, it's hungry, it wants to grow now, right? And, and now the body is clean, the cells are clean, right? And this is a perfect timing to, to, to exercise, to grow, to eat right, to replenish. And, and so while we talk about many benefits of fasting, a lot of us fail to recognize it's really the repeated cycles of fasting and refeeding, right? It's the, it's the fasting and the nourishment that completes the cycles of that reju rejuvenation. You cannot just have one. For example, long-term starvation is no good to health, right? <laughs> Otherwise, humanity, I mean, every time there's a starvation, people should just live better, longer, and healthier. That's just simply not true, right? So it, it is that repeated cycle, right, of, of the cycling of fasting and nourishment, much like exercise. Although it's good, you can't exercise 24 hours a day. You need to rest. You need to rest, allow the body to rest. So it's that repeated cycles of, of exercise and rest that is a, form, a formula for for better health right and when you're talking about refeeding and um i guess i'm assuming it's going to be really important to understand and to what you put into your body during this refeeding phase i mean we don't want to be sitting there going into a fast food restaurant and and use that as a means of of refeeding we really want to be able to nourish our bodies with proper amino acids uh, proper sugars proper fats i mean is there a specific algorithm or a diet that we need to plan for during this refeeding phase? Yeah, that's... Uh, and how long is this refeeding phase? Is it a day or is it a couple of days? Yeah, well, we generally think of refeeding phase as five to seven days after the prolonged uh, fasting. The stress of fasting have significantly um, sort of stressed the body, right? Sort of caused the body to rejuvenate. It takes about five, seven days to, to really get replenished. We would suggest a plant-based uh, diet uh, for, for those days. If you must uh, include fish, right, sort of pescatarian diet would be really good uh, for the body. Try to avoid as much animal source proteins or animal source uh, fats uh, during this phase. And this is like a sponge. You have to picture this, right? If you've squeezed the sponge out, it's totally dry right now. When you pour anything onto the sponge, it's going to soak it up. So you just gone through five days of, of, of cleanse here. Uh, you, you don't want it to, to the body to soak up all the all the bad nutrients and ingredients, uh, especially when it's most hungry uh, in uh, during these refeeding period. Right, and I'm assuming it's okay to to ease your way back into exercise at during this refeeding phase. I mean, I mean, I, I'm assuming you don't want to go back to your previous activities, and if you're a marathon runner, it's probably not advisable to start going training for your marathon or running a marathon shortly after the prolon. So, I guess really, in essence, if you're going to be doing this or partaking in this, you really want to allot the five days for the prolon, and probably another week after before really going back into your normal activities and lifestyle and eating what you were beforehand. That, that's a, a wise counsel there. 
Got it. Excellent. And uh, in terms of how people can find more information about Prolon and yourself, what is the best way for the listeners um, for this podcast to do so? Yeah, there's uh, the, the, for more information, you could go on to prolonfmd.com. Uh, you can find a lot of information about the product. And um, there is also a, a very good resource of information in just on fasting in general with no products, with no mention of any kind of other commercial interests. It's fasting.com uh, that just has uh, lots of uh, well-informed articles and sure uh, bite-sized information on anything fasting. Excellent. Well, Dr. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to, to meet each other in person. Thank you.